0: I feel like I was watching a Shakespeare play, but there was like a car chase in the middle of it.
1: (laughs) You're watching Macbeth, and all of a sudden Bruce Willis comes out and just shoots Arnold Schwarzenegger?
0: Yeah, Macbeth, but with a $10 million pyrotechnics budget.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the Universal Studios Macbeth Stunt Show. Welcome, everyone, to Unbelievable, the podcast where I tell my good friend Kurt two unbelievable facts from history one real, one fake. And it's up to me to guess which one's which. That's right. I am old benevolent deity Luis Mejia, joined here by a fear beyond any description, Kurt Danner. Oh,
0: I'm, I'm a little HP Lovecraft action. Little
1: HP Lovecraft for the day, Kurt. Very cool. Well, welcome back to this podcast. We've got some really fun stories for y'all. We're coming back from our special episode so unfortunately we are back at being far away from one another no. Ooh, boo. oh no and I'm going to be taking the reins of the episode today. I'm going to be telling Kurt two stories. So I'm going to let Kurt tell us a quick little fun fact to get us in the mood, get us in the mood for fact checking. You know, be a fan that blows away the smoke and mirrors, or actually just <laughs> the smoke, and, the, and a hammer to break the mirrors. This analogy is not doing great. Yeah, but... <laughs> you're really
0: committed though. <laughs> Props for the commitment <laughs> to it.
1: There, there's a lot of enthusiasm behind it. A lot <laughs> of enthusiasm for very little payoff. But in in order to do that i'm gonna pass it over to kurt kurt tell us a little fun fact to start us off for this week's episode all right true or
0: false luis the term saved by the bell originates from the bells that would be put on people's coffins or gravestones to prevent someone from accidentally being buried alive
1: i want to say yes however Big fan of Safe by the Bell TV show. This one goes out to you, Topanga. <laughs> so we are saying no that that's false. I'm like I like to say that's a bit of a misconception. What do you think it comes from then? I think it actually just straight up comes from school.
0: It actually frankly. it actually comes from boxing. So you're correct. It is it is false. Right on. But yeah, it's a term that originates from boxing because of course in boxing the round ends with the bell ring.
1: That is a nice story though. The Safe by the Bell by uh, avoiding being buried alive.
0: Yeah, it's it's you know and you know it's inconsequential enough like. Like, I agree. I want it to be true as well. I might just choose to believe that, you know, <laughs> it's, it's free and it's legal. No one can stop me. I
1: think that's half of this podcast, Kurt. It's just us making up our own history in our heads yeah. and just choosing to believe what didn't happen.
0: Yeah. We've gotten so lost in our own lies. Who knows what's real anymore?
1: <laughs> I like to see it more like this, Kurt. I think we're building our own mythology. Oh, true. This is how mythologies and cultures rise. So that's what we're doing right now. True, true. Well, all right, Kurt. I've got two stories for you, and I'm going to tell you, they're doozies. They're, they're a lot. There's a I'm lot to, There's a lot happening. Hopefully you're ready. So without any further ado, mm. let's get to it. Let's do it. All right, Kurt. Now, I am known for almost exclusively talking about Italy or Mexico true. in this podcast. True. And I'm trying to deviate away from that, but somehow... Mexico always seems to encroach in to any history that I'm trying to portray to you. So, so bear with me. Keep that in mind that sometimes it's not done on purpose. Okay,
0: so I'm guessing by this monologue that Mexico is going to be involved somehow, which makes me think, like, why did you even bring it up? Or well, if you're saying, like, I know I always talk about these two things, and I should talk about other things, but not today.
1: <laughs> I mostly said that, Kurt, just to show you that I've been trying to make an effort. But it's hard. It's difficult. It's a difficult life. Yeah. Out step
0: there. one is admitting you have a problem. So that it is progress, actually. So
1: I want you to be proud of me, Kurt. For you know, I know, I know that's not easy for you to do. have <laughs> pride of me, but please, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to leave those feelings at the door and pride from now on.
0: All right, I'm coming. Clean slate. Ready to hear about Mexico. Well,
1: actually, we're not starting in Mexico today. We are going to start in the faraway lands, deep, mysterious, exotic lands of Provo, Utah. Ooh. Ooh la la! This is 1924, and in this area in Provo, Utah, and Utah in general, also Salt Lake City, as it is now, it was back then, that's where the Church of Latter-day Saints resides or, or holds its headquarters. It's the Vatican City of the Mormon Church, if you will. Nice. So it's in this context, in this place, in 1924, that we have this man living in this area. His name is Alfred Lee Duke. He's a part of the LDS Church, the Latter-day, Latter-day Saints Church, the Mormon Church. Right. Now, Alfred, Alfred, Freddie, if you will, Freddie Freddy Duke, <laughs> Listen, Provo, Utah. He's a devout member of the Latter-day Saints Church, of the Mormon Church. And at this point in Mormon history, 1924, there's been a lot of different reforms to try to, I guess, modernize uh the LDS church, modernize Mormonism and bring it into the new century. Mm-hmm. Keep it hip, you know, got to connect with the young kids, right? Connect with the youth is what the Mormons do, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and and so it's 1924, there's reforms coming. One of the biggest reforms that is coming out of Salt Lake City of the high authority of the Mormon church is... Polygamy has been a controversial part of Mormonism for a very long time, mm-hmm. to the point where the church even split several times, one of them allowing polygamy, the other one not. Mm-hmm. At this point, the Mormon church is trying to say, okay, officially, finally, we're going to write it down. Polygamy is not allowed in this church. Uh, again, one of these modernization policies. So when,
0: when they did this, it wasn't, it wasn't another splitting off. It's like the whole thing... They're saying like, no yeah. No more polygamy. Well, it,
1: polygamy was an issue where uh, it's a real problem, and there's real division, and it's frowned upon, mm-hmm. but it's not quite written down. So oh, no, one, I see. So there's no way to enforce not having a polygamous marriage. Things yeah. like that. That happens. And, and the church authorities, religious authorities, actually crack down on polygamy and start saying, hey, we are in the 20th century. We're going to be part of this country, right? And, and religious authorities and state authorities kind of go hand in hand in Utah just because of the power of the Mormon church. So they're saying, if we're going to be more involved in state politics and potentially federal politics, mm-hmm. let's actually say polygamy bad. Okay. Now, Freddie Duke. Little Fred, little Alfred, right, hears this all the way in Provo, and says, "I will not tolerate any of this. <laughs> I will marry whoever I want. I will have many wives, and there's nothing you can tell me about it." He gets up in arms. He 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 is a, a big polygamist man. He has a big poly- polygamous marriage as part of his upbringing. So, so is he
0: is he already married to multiple people? Oh yeah, he already has. Because that's what I was uh, wondering uh, about. It is like, are they? grandfathering in people who are already polygamous or do you have to like pick one of your wives now
1: (laughs) yes you kind of have what if
0: if you have six wives can you marry a seventh one because you're already you know a polygamist you're not making it more polygamy necessarily that's
1: true maybe once the reform comes in if you have seven wives it's like oh they all count as one bam ah (laughs) It's, it's it's unclear but but what 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 we're saying here is that Alfredus already has several wives, and he is really opposing this new Mormon reform. So much so that he goes to Salt Lake City and tries to argue with religious authorities. One of the individuals that this man gets uh, in an argument with is B. Morris Young, who is actually Brigham Young's daughter who was involved in in church authority. So really, he gets in trouble with with a bunch of people, raises a lot of eyebrows, people get really angry at him, Mormon leadership gets really angry at him. Essentially, he gets run out of town because he's he's what you could call a proud defender of polygamy, a proud defender of multiple marriages, uh, militant almost that's
0: tough to get to get run out of town by the mormons because i know that like there's a long history of mormons being run out of towns right he's getting he's getting run out of town by the people who already got ran out of all the other
1: towns exactly exactly so so it's just continuing this pattern he gets run out of of salt lake city gets run out of provo so he starts moving somewhere where he can be a polygamist uh but it's it's frankly interesting well difficult moving out of utah and expecting people to really be into polygamy (laughs) the u.s as we know is an incredibly protestant place so polygamy not in the books so he goes from town to town essentially saying let me marry all my wives and everyone says no trade proposal
0: i marry 20 women you receive nothing nothing
1: (laughs) exactly that's basically what happens so he starts moving essentially south he keeps going and then once he gets farther south once you get closer to the border with mexico it becomes catholic more mm-hmm. catholic too mm-hmm. which again catholicism is not huge into multiple marriages right so i don't know he, he just keeps moving south gets to the border crosses the border goes into mexico in mexico in 1924 things are a little bit more lax especially in northern Mexico. I mean there's a rev- revolution going on so people don't really care.
0: Yeah, I was going to say why why wasn't this the plan from the start cuz it, it seems like at this point in time if Mexico had a law that said we will kill you if you are a polygamist, you could probably still go and just say like declare yeah. I'm married to these 20 women and and you'd probably be fine.
1: I mean, remember, it's a Catholic very Catholic country mm-hmm. so Uh, And at this point, there's also Catholic persecution. So, I mean, mean, probably in his mind, he's thinking, I don't know if I want to go to Mexico. Eventually, he ends up in Mexico around uh, Baja California. So up right by like San Diego area, maybe a little bit south. So Tijuana, Mm -hmm. I guess, in the Mexican side. Again, he's so far north in a place of Mexico that's fairly removed from the rest of the world. Um And the revolution essentially is still going on Kind of just ended There's religious persecution So people really don't care He's not worried about that He's got his own revolution Yeah, he's got his own revolution And, and Mexico really doesn't care that this man has a bunch of wives yeah. Essentially Mexico's yeah. stance is Yeah, go, go for it Have your seven wives if you'd like We've got Pancho Villa to deal with over here Like, come on, give us Mexico's a break Mexico's
0: official stance is weird flex, but okay Exactly, go, go
1: off, King. <laughs> Sweet, yeah, awesome, cool. You've got seven wives, yeah, whatever. We've got three civil wars. We don't give a <laughs> shit, you know. <laughs> so, anyway, this man Freddie Alpha Duke has a really amazing ability to start trouble. Oh no, <laughs> like, because he's there. He's there for about three years, so he makes a good living in in Baja California, and eventually. As he is a polygamist, mm-hmm. no one is really bothering him that he has wives until he starts meddling in the wives of other people. Oh, He started to try to seduce or get involved with the deputy's wife of the town he was staying in. Wow, what a severe miscalculation. He really, really jumped into the pool without knowing that there was <laughs> no water in there. Seriously. he—he he, this, he frankly- this man
0: said, get thrown out of town, speed run any percent speedrun glitchless mm-hmm. get kicked out
1: <laughs> he sparks a bunch of a bunch of trouble and then once this comes out to light then his polygamy comes to light and people start getting angry at him and okay well time to get out of town once more right and well, you're on you're on the Pacific coast of Mexico at this point. So he goes to one of the main ports and decides to head off to a fully different place, a fully different culture, fully different oh, he's, tradition. Oh, he's sailing away. He he's deciding to abandon the continent. Oh, wow! <laughs> <laughs> so he hops on a ship and decides to go to the Sunrise Land, Japan, of all wow. places. Wow. So he sails for Japan. This is this is dedication to this polygamy. This guy, he's a a real believer. This man is doing slash and burn farming but forgetting that slash and burn farming means that you can go back and plant again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this man is doing to himself what the Russians did to Napoleon's army. Well, like see?
0: <laughs> Yeah, I just feel like he's kind of a a bit of a drama queen to be honest with you. I mean, okay, let's say everyone in Utah knows who he is and everyone in Baja California knows who he is. There's a lot of places in 1924, especially in Mexico, where you can just go and, like, not bother anyone and they won't bother you. But this man said, no, different continent.
1: Gotta throw out the whole continent. And like I said, this man was a, throughout all of this, he still keeps his religious fervor very much within him Mm -hmm. he is a a proud member of the mormon church he is a very militant member of the Mormon church and he vehemently agrees that the mormon church should allow polygamy Mm -hmm. that it's a sacred act of god so so this is put yourself in his mindset that he's thinking he is doing this for a righteous reason right no
0: i understand that he's dedicated i just think he probably could have like tried a few more places in mexico before he decided to sail across (laughs) the entire pacific ocean anyway
1: he hops on a ship goes to japan and says, I'm going to start a new life. I'm going to be a new man. Figure something out. Nice. He lands in the island of Hokkaido, which Hokkaido is the northernmost islands. It's the northernmost mm-hmm. point of Japan. Okay. He lands there. Since this place, this guy, of Hokkaido. Big, big
0: fan of being on the little edge nubbin of a country. That's that's really his vibe.
1: The edge nubbin actually works to his advantage, Kurt, because since Hokkaido is an island separate from the rest of Japan uh-huh. geographically, mm-hmm. it developed a different culture. It de- it developed different uh, culturally, traditionally, mm. uh, even the language developed differently up in that region. So it's more removed, and he thinks, okay, well, since it's different, since it's, it's kind of exotic, this is where I can practice my polygamy right. and everyone leave right. me alone. And lo and behold, it works. He, he actually he, he is up in northern Hokkaido, so the farthest place away he can go where he's bothering <laughs> no one. He, he works as a shoe repairman, I guess a cobbler, you could say. Gets enough money, eventually just buys a farm. A, a chunk of land and decides that that's going to be his farm that's going to be his estate if you will he goes to that estate which he names kami no ai no nojo okay i don't i don't know how to speak japanese i really don't have a grasp on it so i apologize for my mistakes in pronunciation but yeah kami no no nojo that's what it's called which translates to and you're gonna laugh at this girl i'm excited god's farm of love
0: oh that's I love that that's so culty
1: or I guess the the translation is, is kind of like like it's meaning like God's love is on this farm but considering he essentially has an estate where he can practice polygamy freely I prefer God's love farm yeah <laughs> it just it just sounds so much more fun if the love
0: barns are rocking don't come a (laughs) knocking exactly
1: but he is he's living in this farm uh gets enough money marries actually has a bit of a family here and starts connecting with with people here does a little bit of missionary work but that's not really his style he's just trying to to live well in this farm marries again into Japanese family, and he becomes a bit of a patriarch of this family, right? I mean, you're a polygamist, and now you have several wives. Eventually, the children below him and the wives below him kind of decide not to do the whole polygamy thing. So they're just kind of now are are living in this weird mix of american japanese interculture at a point where japan is growing right before the world the second world war so japan is actually doing great and so he is enjoying a little bit of this Now, what's interesting, a couple generations pass, this family is now essentially fully Japanese. Sure, with American roots, but it's a Japanese family. Before I I move on, Kurt, I want to let you know that when Alfred Duke was in Mexico for those three years, he absolutely falls in love with one of the traditions of the place. He fell in love with bullfighting. Nice. He fell in love with, with, with the sport of bullfighting. He reportedly went to a bunch of bullfights while he was over there and so one of the things that alfred duke tried to do when he arrived in japan uh since he one of his lost long loves other than polygamy is bullfighting which is a very interesting venn diagram (laughs) Uh, (laughs) he he decides to try to get into the bullfighting market now it's not terribly successful mostly because Japan already has a style of bullfighting called Okinawa, Okinawa Okinawa-style bullfighting, which it's actually more literal. It's two bulls that they put into a ring together, and the two bulls fight each other. Oh, Um, that's fun. So it's not a man versus a bull. It's two bulls against each other. And it's one of these old... Traditional sports, kind of like sumo wrestling. There's a lot of money in it. There's a lot of betting into it. I mean, they're actually like fighting, not necessarily to the death, but until the other one's weak enough to not continue to fight. Yeah, yeah. So it's essentially cockfighting, but with bulls. So he realizes okay, they don't really enjoy the whole man kills bull situation, Mm -hmm. but they do have a passion for breeding. Fierce fighting bulls—the right. same types of bull that are used in uh, Mexican bullfights right. or Spanish bullfights, right. if you will. So, this man Freddie Duke decides to do a full 360 in his life and decides to become a bull breeder, Ooh. A, a, a cowboy, if you will. You know you why? Know? You know uh, you, uh, know, a, you a, know
0: why he decided to do that? Why? Because the bulls
1: can be polygamous. The bulls can be polygamous, and where can they live? In the love farm. In the
0: love farm. So he's
1: got the space. He's in Hokkaido, which is this generally pretty big, wide open space. So he decides to begin being a cattle farmer for for fierce bulls. And it's actually fairly successful in his lifetime. He starts this business, gets a couple bulls. They start breeding. Anyway, he dies. His sons take over the, the cattle farming. They actually make it fairly successful where a bunch of their bulls are being used in the okinawa bullfighting fighting fighting ring mm-hmm. if you will and and they become pretty pretty well known pretty well established cattle farmers for for bulls okay and they actually name the the cattle place that the, the what what will you call it? Ganaderías, I guess. What, what we call it in Spanish. But the bull breeding space. Yeah. The, the name of the company was actually named after Freddie Duke. They named it the Sutsiro Ajay Cattle Place, which uh, it translates to Storm Traveler. Oh. They, okay. They they named it after his father because he had such issues anywhere he went, but he, he kept traveling, just like if you were <laughs> sailing directly into a storm, saying, "Screw it." This uh, breeding company or breeding, I guess, family, the Sutsido Ahai uh, company, starts breeding bulls. Some generations uh, go by. They're still using the love farm. They're breeding bulls. They're making good money. Now three, four generations go by. Now they're necess- They're the Fukuda family. So the whole Duke last name yeah, goes the Duke, away. The Duke
0: got lost in this. America. The
1: Duke disappears, but you know that's he's he's part well, of the that's, family. So that's, that's, that's
0: the f- so sad for me to hear, Louise, because I was really hoping somehow this was going to lead to David Duke. That this is like the, oh, could you imagine? <laughs> oh ancestry. no no, that would have been a wild turn. <laughs> yes,
1: ancestors. David Duke's great 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 grandfather, was a bullfighter
0: on God's. <laughs> <laughs> love farm.
1: <laughs> but anyway, around 1980, the, the Tsutsido Ahai bull breeders decide to go to Mexico, mm-hmm. go back to Mexico seeking different business opportunities. So uh, Freddie Duke's great-grandson, who at this point has become a fairly well-known headler, cattle back, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, his name is Tanjiro Fukuda, which he he went by the name Francis, so Francis Fukuda, he went to uh, Mexico. He hears of his great grandfather's stories, and he says, well, if he fell in love with Mexico, and that's why we have our money now, I'm gonna try to go to Mexico and see if we can kind of reconnect and, okay. and do all that. He goes to Mexico in 1981, and essentially, he finds a market in bullfighting. The bullfighting in Mexico is having a resurgence, and he says, okay, Let's try to use our knowledge and start a bullfighting, bull breeding family here. And so they do that. They take some of the bulls from Japan, bring them to Mexico, and start using them to breed cattle. They settle in northern Mexico, which I guess it's a coincidence that that's where Freddie Duke was at too, but also northern Mexico loves cows. Mm -hmm. So they settle somewhere there, and they found the Okinawa Ganaderia. So Ganaderia Okinawa, the Okinawa cattle business
0: they didn't like they didn't like the god's love farm name they weren't going to keep that going that's
1: okay <laughs> they, they they needed they needed to to lean into their into what would cut into the mexican market if mexicans hear ganaderia already bam bull we understand Winner. okinawa that sounds japanese that sounds fun so you're you're just letting them know that you're japanese and you have bulls and to this day the okinawa uh breeding the okinawa cattle family, the cattle herds, Mm -hmm. are a fairly respected, well-known farm that provides bulls for bullfighting in Mexico. Mm. And it all dates back to this man, Alfred Lee Duke, who was chased out of Provo, Salt Lake City, for refusing to leave polygamy. Wow. So essentially, he fell in love with Mexico and was kicked out of Mexico. And somehow it all went back to full circle. And now, now we have the Okinawa, Okinawa Ganaderia. All right. So that's the story of the Okinawa Ganaderia here in Mexico. That all started from a man being chased out of Utah for refusing to give up his many wives. Kurt.
0: Wow. I, I, I feel like I see why you love this story, Luis, because it always goes back to Mexico. Uh, see, know, meta- Metaphorically, as <laughs> much like they're like, we tried Utah. We tried a different continent. We're back to Mexico. We can't stay away from Mexico. We can't stay away from bullfighting. I
1: think subconsciously, I'm just relating everything, all the stories that I tell to my own life, uh, Kurt. Why? Because I'm egocentric and I want it to be about me. So (laughs) I like to see myself pictured in other stories. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So like I told you, I found a story that was not directly related to Mexico, but it somehow ended up back there. Didn't want it to get there, but it did, and we have to accept that fact. Mexico yeah. is just omnipresent.
0: I fe- it feels like you you like got a, an assignment for this. that said like the story cannot take place in Mexico. And you're like, Stupid rule, anyway. It's not taking place in Mexico. It does. It's not in Mexico. They just go pass through.
1: Most of it is in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, I mean, the, the the name, the the reason this cattle herd company in Mexico is named Okinawa is to kind of respect its origins in of Okinawa bullfighting, Okinawa-style yeah. bullfighting, which is like cockfighting but bull. And mm-hmm. so in a way, it's kind of calling back to those traditions. And I don't know. I think it's kind of sweet. So
0: do you know if this cattle company still exists in Mexico today?
1: Yeah, to this day. To this day. Most like other cattle companies here in mm-hmm. Mexico for bullfighting. Bullfighting is kind of dying. So they're still around. There's still a name that's like fairly known. Um, it's not like the height of fame that they used to have, but it's like, oh, it's it's Okinawa cattle herd. Just like saying, oh, it's the uh, Hernandez farm. You know, something right. like that. It, it's just like another one of the companies. since it's been here since the 80s, it's already kind of well-known right right so yeah but it's it's a company still here yeah
0: wow that's quite the journey for someone to make in that time period it's
1: it's like if Ernest Hemingway decided to take a break through Brigham Young University before he went to Cuba you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm really curious about what his specific motivations were for for going so far because like I said before I, I feel like he could have put himself through less trouble if he was only interested in just having somewhere where people wouldn't bother him. I mean, I wonder, I wonder if in addition to being like really passionate about the polygamy thing, if he was like a little bit of a free spirit.
1: Maybe. I mean, it, it sounds like it. I mean, shoot, he bought a farm and then decided he was going to breed bulls. Yeah. Not anyone just does that. Right. So I, I like to think about it this way. I think generally Mormons have also some sort of generational religious trauma mm-hmm. where as you mentioned earlier, they've been kind of chased out of town since mm-hmm. their inception. Joseph Smith, the founder of the LDS Church, was murdered by people that do not agree with him. And and they finally found this, this holy land, this place in, in, in Utah. Mm. So I feel like in a way... He saw this as religious persecution and connected it to his own story of being a Mormon, of being someone that's always fleeing and trying to find their destiny, their holy land. That's how I think I'm rationalizing it. But yes, I agree. Ridiculous. Like, wh- why would you go all the way to Japan? Mm. You know, I think he saw it as his Canaan, as his holy land, the land right. of milk and right. honey. Right. Land of milk and honey and sushi. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's a, re- a nice little story of journey, of going places, of traveling around the world. Because we all need a little bit of that right now.
0: I think the, the thing that's really striking me is like, you know, people talk about like, could you just take a medieval peasant out of their time and drop them in the 21st century and just blow their <laughs> mind? Like, I think the other day I, I ate like a whole bunch of Sour Patch Kids and it was like too many. <laughs> you know, like I, I was felled by my own hubris. I was like, oh, too much sour. Too much kid, you know, and then I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, could you, could you imagine just handing a medieval peasant like a handful of Sour Patch Kids and like, no, go ahead, try it. Like, <laughs> their mind would their just tongue melt. off. Oh yeah, I know. Go from uh, go from 1920s Utah to a farm on an island in Japan. That would just be like like an insane culture shock experience for someone. The
1: metaphorical Sour Patch kits. he took a handful and braved it. Yeah, so that's the first story, Kurt. It's just a story of love, story of farms, story of <laughs> polygamy, and many bulls. All the highlights.
0: <laughs> if you just tell someone like, hey, I got this, this story. It involves polygamy, love farms, bulls some mention of cockfighting? they're like no i don't Japan. think i want to hear this <laughs> no i don't know if
1: i want to hear this one all right kurt so we had our fun right mm. we had great fun we did i i i i i'm looking at your face right now i think you're having we fun. had
0: a lot of laughs you know
1: now it's time to get technical Ooh. okay okay i'm ready now you aware of the u.s you familiar i've i've met her I'm I've, I've, yeah, familiar with her work. <laughs> yeah, familiar with her work. Yeah. Yeah. So the United States is is a country. Uh, I'm sure you're aware. Hey, that's true. I've lived in you it. Ever think about that, dude? It's true. You, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever considered this. My brother the in United Christ. Is a the country. United
0: States is a country. We live in a society.
1: But anyway, the U.S. has this this really funny thing where executive authority, so authority from the executive branch of mm-hmm. government is very powerful. Uh the, the the president has a lot of 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 to be redundant power within right. his hands. He there's a lot he can do, a lot he can't do also and of course there's the checks and balances that come with the other branches mm. of government like uh The judicial branch, the legislative branch, but the executive branch by itself has a lot of power. I mean, you see it in veto power or just executive orders. A president can just say, screw it, I'm doing this and there's nothing you can do to stop Mm -hmm. me. That actually is weirdly entrenched in the law. Legally, the president has a lot of power. And the reason that it's in the law, that it's, it's codified that the president has a lot of power, comes from... A tale of daring and all starts with an affair. It always does. It always does. So I'm going to take you back to 1890, 1890, and the years around 1890. Okay, very cool. Around this time, there was a Supreme Court justice named just one of them. <laughs> just, just one <laughs> of them. There was a, one. There was one Supreme Court justice uh, named Stephen Field, and he. Back in 1890, was very unpopular for a couple reasons. I will explain okay. why. That there was an assassination attempt against wow. him. Wow. Okay. There was an assassination attempt against him, and his life was in jeopardy. His life was in danger. So the president appointed U.S. Marshals to guide him, to, to protect him, to protect this man's integrity mm-hmm. in life. That's the context. We're setting it okay. there. Now, that sounds all fun. That sounds like something... Typical in 1890s American politics. Yeah. But where does this come from? Well, I'm glad you asked, Kurt. Let me tell (laughs) you. You don't
0: even need me here. I could could just leave right now. You're doing both parts. (laughs) (laughs) One man show.
1: This begins with a man named David Terry. Now, David Terry was the chief justice of... California's Supreme Court mm-hmm. in 1890, or actually prior to the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Prior to the Civil War, he was the, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of California. He got into a bunch of different Arguments. He was well known for being a, a kind of wild man, a big orator. Mm-hmm. He, he even got in an argument with a senator from California, uh, Senator Broderick. He got in an argument with this man to the point where he had a duel with him and killed him. Oh, oh! So, oh, so, so he he was an explosive man. You know, uh, he did a bunch of stuff. The reason that this man, that David Terry, had an argument with this senator Broderick centered because there were political rivalries due to Terry's sympathy for the Confederacy at the Oops. time. So he, he eventually, he was acquitted and he left California to go support the South in the Civil War. So keep in mind, this man, also Southern sympathizer, uh, sorry, Confederacy sympathizer. Right. After the Civil War, David Terry returned to uh, law practice, returned to politics in California and came back into the circuit of California politics They just they, right?
0: they they like didn't care or did he just come back and he's like, "Boy, that vacation in Cancun sure was great. <laughs> I didn't take any pictures cuz we don't have cameras yet, but
1: oh boy, lovely Cancun, Mississippi. Acapulco, Arkansas." They're like, "You
0: lost one of your legs?" And you're like, they're like, "Oh, you wouldn't <laughs> believe what's in the water."
1: <laughs> now, he comes back. So now it's around 1870s, ish, okay. right? In this time, there's this woman named Sarah Hill. Sarah Hill becomes involved with a senator from Nevada named William Sharon. So Sarah Hill and William Sharon are now involved. Uh, Hill, Sarah Hill, is known to be unstable, according to newspapers and news reports of the time. Sarah Hill is. Yeah, Sarah Hill. And there's a a huge difference in age between Sarah and this other senator, uh, Sharon, William Sharon, there's such a big difference that there's this idea these rumors that Sarah's only with him for the money because why wouldn't you we're all seeking out sugar parents right back then and now so they they got married Oh wait. she she's know.
0: involved with the the senator who was uh supporting the confederates no 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 different different senator oh, okay. different okay. senator okay, different okay. Senator. okay. Will,
1: William Sharon of Nevada okay. so so Nevada senator just okay. think of that okay great uh so he is she she is getting involved with this man and continued to try to get his money one thing she did is go to the courts and say hey this man owes me alimony mm-hmm. this man owes me money and the court asks her hey why does this man owe you money isn't he just your confidant your lover to which sarah responds uh no we married three years ago <laughs> oh just when we started our affair and since we're married i haven't gotten any payments and things of the sort right so okay th- th- there's just this whole argument that she's trying to say hey I'm just trying to get my money because of our marriage. Then William Sharon, the senator. Wait, so where had so they they separated then? Yeah. So she was saying that they had married, then they separated. Okay, okay. I
0: I I, yeah. I guess I missed that they separated. I was like, you don't get alimony
1: just for being <laughs> yeah, right. married. Yeah, I think I, I missed that point. <laughs> I, I apologize too. But anyway, she is she is trying to get this man's money, who was known for being very wealthy, and William Sharon's like, hey, I I did not marry this woman what's going on why do i owe her money so he sued her in federal court in california he sued in 1883 for a declaration that like no marriage had ever taken place and then Mm -hmm. sarah filed her own suit to demonstrate that it was valid and requested a share of sharon's property so this this there's a whole legal battle to try to determine if this marriage was a sham or not now guess who sarah hill had hired as her attorney paul larue no no, oh, <laughs> no kurt david terry senator chief justice of california confederate uh, sympathizer
0: that was my that was my second guess <laughs>
1: So, so, so they, he was hired. Eventually, she won the suit. She won the suit saying, yeah, actually, this marriage was real, even though. Oh, wow. Yeah, even though the judge. They declared
0: that. I wasn't expecting that. The judge
1: himself said that, no, Hill is a liar, but. The court went in her favor. Very strange. It, oh, at the end of the day, it didn't really matter because uh, the senator died before any of this can oh. happen. Like, <laughs> uh, the, what a power move. Like his executor actually pursued the appeal <laughs> because this man's dead. <laughs> so Anyway, the, the federal suit continues. It proceeds very slowly and this man's dead. So there's another point of bureaucracy that you have to deal with. You're like, OK, this man's dead. I'm trying to get his money. Sarah Hill becomes increasingly angrier, it starts getting just really just despises this whole thing to the point where she would start carrying a pistol in every single like proceeding court proceeding nice. she would she would nice. have a, a pistol, and many of the time she would wave it at the witnesses. <laughs> She would start waving it at the witnesses and would threaten to have witnesses speaking against her and the council. He would threaten to have them oh. killed <laughs> during court. During court. Wow.
0: This is... I, I just, I need a second to process <laughs> this.
1: Imagine Imagine you're just in court hearing a witness and you say, say that again. Are you sure that's the truth? <laughs> and just pointing a gun yeah. at you. <laughs> it's,
0: I think it's really making me laugh because you and I both do this bit where we like put up both both finger guns mm. will be like is there an egyptian restaurant in chicago like someone be like is there an egyptian restaurant in chicago? finger guns up <laughs> i'm just picturing her asking every question even if it's like really basic it's just like and you usually take your dog out on a walk at night do Gun. you
1: <laughs> do you <laughs> now it, it continues it continues on and during this there was a a justice, a Supreme Court justice, that was assigned to this case to hear the different motions that would come from this case. The justice that was assigned to this case was the Supreme Court justice we talked about earlier, Stephen Field. He was assigned to this case just to be around there. In one of the proceedings, Justice Field, in order to try to maintain order and maintain decorum of the court. He ordered that Miss Hill be disarmed and found <laughs> her in contempt of court. Tyrant, yeah. So really, like this was this was bad. Anyway, the, the end. The proceedings took like finished in 1886. So there's several years of of just court proceedings. One of the senators is dead. This woman is waving a gun at the witnesses. It's it's going crazy. They finish and the federal court determined that the marriage indeed was a sham. <laughs> so it really never worked in her favor. Wow. Time goes on. Terry, yeah. the, the Confederate sympathizer, David Terry, marries mm-hmm. Hill, who was his client. Marries While he's s- still
0: representing her. No, the
1: the trials are over. So okay, okay. The attorney and former client marry each other, and now they're right. in this loving, very much loving, uh, court decision. However, look, I don't want to,
0: I don't want to knock their relationship because maybe they, you know, really had a good, genuine thing, but. If I had been an attorney representing a woman trying to get her alimony at gunpoint for, what do you say,
1: two years, I think I would be like, okay, I'll be really sure before I get married here. Um, However, his marriage to Hill, to this woman, complicated things because the California Supreme Court had to um, uphold the fact that the other marriage was a sham or that it wasn't or that it was real it just put a lot of blurred lines together that they needed to figure this out
0: they should have just gone to japan
1: (laughs) go to (laughs) hokkaido start a bullfighting ring much easier yeah yeah yeah, so they need to go to Japan. But but it, basically, again, th- this got really complicated, complicated things because now they're married and they really have to figure out what the Supreme Court situation is happening and what the ruling of the Supreme Court is to just figure out what this marriage was in. Now, the person looking at this whole thing or sitting in at this California Supreme Court case was this Particular a uh, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Field. And he determined that Sarah Hill had obtained marriage documents through fraud. And when this happened, like he was he was attacking Hill verbally, and then Hill turned around, started causing a commotion to the point where she had to be escorted out. And because she was being escorted out terry david terry in an act of chivalry decided to attack the u.s marshal that was escorting her out
0: (laughs) so how romantic there's
1: a lot of just commotion a lot of tension going on with everything everything happening here you know because david terry did this because david terry attacked this man and because Sarah Hill was kicked out because of like contempt of court, they were both imprisoned. They were both sent, okay. sent to prison where further got things very bad, you know? Um, so upon release, once they were both released from prison, they were consumed by revenge. They were saying, the reason all of our failings is because of this one U.S. Supreme Court justice, Stephen Field, and we're going to make sure he gets his justice certs. Nice. And and everyone knew this. Everyone knew this because David Terry, after he came out of of, of prison, David Terry, remember, is the Confederate uh, supporter. Right. He comes out of prison and publicly broadcast that he was going to kill that Supreme Court justice. <laughs> he would go on every bandstand and grandstand and say, yeah, um, this man wronged me. I will kill him. <laughs> like newspapers were kept going that, that saying there's going to be a confrontation soon be- between these two judges. It's going to get ugly. Because of this precedent at the time, Benjamin Harrison, assigned a marshal, a U.S. marshal to take care of. Of the Supreme Court Justice, Justice Field. The name of Ta- this take care of
0: or take care of? No,
1: protect. Protect. Oh, okay. Okay. Protect okay. the life of this man. Look, I
0: gotta tell you, Louise, the moment that we learned that this woman had a gun in court that she's pointing at the witnesses, I I gave up on all reason of what may or may not <laughs> happen yeah. in this store. So I was completely willing to accept the president put a hit yeah. out on someone. Yeah.
1: yeah. So so the name of this of this of this person is called Marshall Nagel. Nice. Nagel. Let's just call him Nagel. And he was now protecting Justice Stephen Field from any attacks from these two deranged couple that are right, that are right. publicly saying you will be killed. Now, 1899. Justice Field is traveling from train from San Francisco to Los Angeles. Okay. David Terry and his wife get into the train, go to the car where this justice was, and David Terry grabs a knife. And starts trying to attack uh, the justice, straight up, just attacking, like like trying to stab the justice while he's eating breakfast in <laughs> in in this train car. Naturally, the person assigned to protect this Nagel man yeah. shoots him. <laughs> By the way.
0: What in the world is he doing? Uh, Because it's not like he's protecting the justice just from anybody. It's like two people specifically. And they managed to get on the same train (laughs) car with him?
1: Listen, man, like, it's probably easier to just have security at all times with you. I mean, you never know what's going to happen.
0: I I guess. I just feel like (laughs) there could have been some preventative measures (laughs) put into place.
1: So this man, Nagel, shoots David Terry and kills him. So so this is where Confederate Band ends. Nagel gets arrested by a local local police officer. He and then also arrested Justice Field for being an accomplice of the crime. Okay. <laughs> because the crime here is that this man shot a person that was trying to kill this other person, and so the person. Right. that was trying to be killed has been arrested also <laughs> it's just a whole lot anyway uh field uh, the justice immediately filed for a what's called a writ of habeas corpus which means essentially you can't be imprisoned without a, a trial and he was like yeah everyone's like sure dude you are about to be killed we, we don't care you know yeah the other guy was not lucky the other guy was essentially sent to prison and it, he was sent to prison and said sorry man you killed a man whoops and there was no authority that was going to place you in this position of a security guard so sorry nothing we can do
0: even even though the the president had sent him, I guess is it. This is where we're getting to. What the president this can is, and can't do
1: exactly. This is what what we're what we're getting to. Is that
0: this is this is insane? Because even if he had been a random passenger, like he still would have been justified to shoot the guy trying to stab. Well, someone. that's
1: that's the issue. That's the issue. Like he said, he he kept saying, "Hey, man, I was acting within the line of duty." Right. And everyone would say, no, man, sorry. This was, there was just too much power. Really, we can't do anything. And you still killed a man, even if you were acting in the line of duty. Plus, like, you were just placed there. You're not like a member of the police force or anything. So, Hmm. anyway, goes to the Supreme Court. Go, this, this all freaks out. And eventually, the Supreme Court said, that the executive power is worthy of to protect is able to protect itself to whatever extent it needs to. Because of uh, I'm
0: glad, I'm glad we got that squared away. That that the person who's technically the head of the military can protect a, a U.S. judge <laughs> if need be.
1: Yeah. So so because of this, uh, in this Supreme Court case, a the a, div- a pretty divided uh, Supreme Court decided in favor of actually, yeah, you know, the president has the authority to protect the nation, even if those steps are not spelled out by Congress. Naturally, Justice Field did not participate in this proceedings. <laughs> but now the president is able to act for the protection of the country and for the protection of just the integrity of the nation without needing advice from congress or any other power the president can act totally independently why yeah. because a senator was sleeping with a woman several years before <laughs> and to this, yeah, this day
0: is, this whole story the little little domino big domino thing yeah little sure. little
1: domino you fake a marriage to get money yeah. big domino yeah. the president can go to war <laughs> <laughs> you know, the president can really do anything. So, so yeah, presidents have a lot of leeway to ensure protection of of the government and and itself. And it all started because of a Confederate Confederate sympathizer and a woman that would point a gun at witnesses.
0: So, so before this, was it the case that like it, it wasn't clear what the president could or couldn't do because it hadn't been spelled out, or was it just this one single thing no one had considered? Is the president allowed to do yeah, this?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it just had never happened before that just to someone just appointed someone to defend and say, OK, all right. You know, like it never had happened. And, it, yeah. and it even. Yeah. And like the Secret Service was not huge at this point, because what the Secret Service was founded by Abraham Lincoln, too. So this is just mm-hmm. 30 years after so. It's kind of wishy-washy. It's just it had never happened before. There's no precedent to this. Right. And now the president is able to do a lot of things if they see it fit to defend the nation. And just one thing I want to close the story with is that this is not the first Supreme Court case on presidential power uh, sparked by a politician's or a president's sexual misconduct. Okay. Uh, Because what's the next one, Kurt? The next famous one bill clinton in 1997 so don't worry bill clinton this has happened before you're not the only precedent with with sexual misconduct (laughs) at the root
0: forever tied to a sex scandal wow it's it's just like it's easy to forget how wild the country used to be like i mean 1870 is is a long time ago but it's also not that long ago if you think about it yeah yeah
1: yeah a lot has happened since and and it's funny to think that like hey the constitution has been changing so much and at this point like a war has just been fought they've just dealt with the biggest i guess civil war that the the country has seen until that point and they're like you know what i you know what Uh, you
0: know what i i keep pushing this idea but if i was if i was the the judge after i survived the assassination attempt i'm i'm no longer a judge i'm going to japan
1: (laughs) going going to japan gonna breed some bulls
0: yeah this is you know what forget it everybody go to japan for- everybody go go start a ball Japan. <laughs> that's
1: right that's right, so yeah, that's the end of the second story kurt so we've we've gone through two stories we've got uh this one, so have you got any questions for for me for for the second story of of sexual sexual behavior affecting u s law
0: it's, just, it's a lot to a lot to comprehend because half of the story is like you need to understand what a writ of habeas corpus is and this court case and they appealed this and the other half is like we got guns and we're on a train <laughs> the president's involved
1: <laughs> it's That's it. it's
0: it's a lot of a lot of very opposite things in the same story no
1: it's like we're reading moby dick you've got wonderful passages of sailing the seas of of trying to capture the big whale, and then, bam, 300 pages of whaling history.
0: Yeah, I feel like I I was watching a Shakespeare play, but there was like a car chase in the middle of it.
1: (laughs) Watching Macbeth, and all of a sudden, Bruce Willis comes out and just shoots Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Yeah, Macbeth, but with a $10 million pyrotechnics budget. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Welcome to the Universal Studios Macbeth Stunt Show
0: (laughs) Who did you say was president at the time?
1: Benjamin Harrison
0: Who who even is that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't even know who that is (laughs) You're making that up You're just saying that to scare me Hey, the president right before it was Grover Cleveland If that helps I know so
0: little about US presidents
1: (laughs) Grover Cleveland was the president That uh, served two terms non-consecutively
0: Oh, wow that's pretty exciting. Pretty
1: fun. What else did he do? I don't know. He had a tumor in his mouth and got it removed in the middle of the night in the middle of a boat. It's a true story. Mm.
0: On the on the note of uh, Grover Cleveland's mouth tumor, <laughs> shall we shall we proceed to some decision making? I
1: think here? I think we shall. <laughs> We've got two stories that uh, we have today, a very, very fun, intricate, one of them a little bit, uh, I guess you could say, I don't want to say boring, but a little bit more technical than the other one, um, so let me remind you real quick of the two stories. First story, a tale of daring, a tale of adventure, a tale of exiles and Mormonism what more could you want? There's bulls, there's Japan, and oh so many wives. (laughs) It's the story of Alfred Duke, Alfred Lee Duke, and his empire, his Japanese empire in the farm of love, and his eventual love of bullfighting. That's the first story. And the second story, Kurt, well, it's the story about how sexual misconduct leads to Way too much presidential power, and 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 a story of just how it was fully okay to wave a gun in the middle of a court proceeding in 1884 and intimidate witnesses, here and there.
0: Yeah, wow. I, I think I'm gonna be picturing that that image of just someone <laughs> pointing a gun at a person on the witness stand for quite a while. I can't believe that that um that she wasn't held in contempt of court for that, since since she was later.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, Kurt. Yeah, listen, what's what's holding a gun between friends, right? You know, what is what is threatening <laughs> the court what's... <laughs> if not just a little fun to be had.
0: Yeah. Okay. I gotta I gotta make some decisions here. Cause I'm 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 I feel like I'm thinking myself in circles about these two stories because they're like similar levels of, of detail and they're 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 both interesting stories. They just, I think they're like very similar, uh, and I think it's making it really hard for me to to compare them somehow because they're so similar. Um,
1: yeah, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot a lot a lot to unpack here, Kurt. So talk us talk me through your process currently, Kurt. What yeah, are you thinking?
0: okay. Well, here's okay. Here's the 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 two main things I'm thinking. First of all, on on the the court case gun affair bonanza type thingy, uh, there's a a lot of details in there that it seems like i i feel like you wouldn't add if you had made it up it seems like there's a lot of details that like had to be mentioned so that you can explain the next thing of like this court proceeding or how this works and i i feel like if it's a story you're making up it would have been a little bit simplified down on the other hand i feel like if if you were going to make up a story and we've been joking about how you always talk about Mexico. <laughs> Why on earth would you make up a story that takes place in Mexico?
1: I mean I mean listen, Kurt, listen, we, we, we all got, we all know we all know our faults, you know
0: <laughs> Or you're really playing a, a mind game here. I don't know how much you you've thought through the whole Mexico thing. You may have to tell me that afterwards.
1: Maybe you are also underappreciating or underestimating my amount of knowledge of the. US legal system, Kurt.
0: That's true. That's true. Well, no, it's not that I not that I don't think you would be capable of of coming up with all the details. <laughs> I just feel like it would have been more streamlined if it was a made-up story. Which I maybe I guess what I'm saying is the fact that it's so convoluted and complicated and just generally weird makes it feel very real. I'm going to
1: What are you saying, Kurt? That I like to dumb down everything I say?
0: <laughs> no, listen, here, here's what it is, okay? <laughs> I'm I'm throwing out all my considerations one way or the other to just focus on one thing do i think that there could have been a farm out there named god's <laughs> love farm or does that seem to me like something Luis would have made up <laughs> all right i gotta make a decision so that means we must well we, we must uh perform our, our sacred, sacred duty to ceremony a little bit of
1: deliberation,
0: deliberation. okay God's love farm. Fire, Luis. What I think of God's love farm. All right, I'm going for it. I believe in in uh in your brain to come up with the words in in combination. God's love farm. So I think that that the story of the bullfighting and God's love farm and oh so much polygamy is from the brain of Luis. And our whole, uh, what did I said a second ago, court case affair, guns bonanza, <laughs> on, on a train. On a train. Uh, is a true story, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Kurt, it seems like your ability to determine whether or not I know what the word writ of habeas corpus uh, is correct. I did invent that. Uh, the story of God's love farm on Earth. Yes. I did, I did realize as I was telling the second story, I'm like, hmm. This does not seem like something I would say. <laughs> uh, when I said I uh, that are when I asked, do you think I'm I like to dumb down my stories, Kurt? The answer there is yes. I love to. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I am a journalist. What's my job? To explain it in the most plain terms possible. I don't know. I didn't know what a writ of habeas corpus was, Kurt. I have no idea how the U.S. legal system works. I absolutely. <laughs> had to learn so much about the u.s legal system that i don't know if i want to you know what's right funny
0: now. is uh I, I i did already know what a writ of habeas corpus was and i when you said that i was like okay let's see if, if he like reads a dictionary definition or if he just like pulls it off the top of his which head, i didn't that, that i didn't might, read a definition kurt
1: that's listen listen i i you, didn't. you know i like to that's dumb true. things down but i'm not dumb <laughs> i'm not dumb <laughs> <laughs> your honor your honor i am not dumb <laughs> Okay,
0: so her waving the gun in court and not getting hit with contempt of court for that did, had you thought that
1: through or that's the true story kurt
0: oh what am i saying what am i saying i got <laughs> I, it right i, 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 yeah. I, am,
1: I am not I, I, take, I, take my like, point did i not think of that anymore. no because i I did not make it no kurt. you
0: know what this time i this time i'm saying right now stop the podcast but i just mean my recording just stop me get, get me out here louise <laughs> do the podcast by yourself
1: we <laughs> established earlier i can just do this as a one-man show
0: yeah yeah one-man <laughs> band okay so um so, what, were there were there any parts of, of the uh, international bullfighting story that, that were true? No,
1: absolutely none of it was true. Um, I d- wow. you know there there is a couple uh, there are a couple things, just a couple tiny details. Okinawa mm-hmm. style bullfighting is real, so it's it's cockfighting but with bulls that does exist and is pretty yeah. popular over there. That's it.
0: Well, I was you know I was thinking like like just bullet pointed on paper. Like if somebody was just you know checking in with Alfred Duke every now and then, it is a very Louis story. It's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm in the U.S. Oh, I'm back in Mexico. Oh, I'm working on a farm overseas. <laughs> oh, I'm back in Mexico again.
1: That's true. That's when you mentioned when you mentioned at the end of
0: that's like the the timeline of your last year.
1: Again, when you mentioned earlier in your stories, like Louise, why does it seem like something you would do? And like I am, I am sorry that I'm bringing my own life into this narrative. <laughs> I am seeing myself. So so did you?
0: So did you think of uh, God's love farm or where did that come
1: from? I did think of God's love farm. Uh, I, uh, I, I literally so nice. went on Google Translate and said, how do you say uh, love farm of God in Japanese? Nice. nice. <laughs> um, so, so the other story then,
0: uh, what a roller coaster.
1: And I want to oh tell gosh. you and I want to give a quick sh- shout out and a quick thank you to uh, a good friend of ours, Hannah, Hannah Kreischer who actually submitted, yeah, uh, sent me a message uh, some time ago about this story saying we should involve it in this episode. So I remembered uh, Hannah sending me this saying, this is crazy, talk about it, bro. And I said, absolutely. <laughs> and I thought today was the day to do so. However, she does work in local government, and I totally don't. So I'm sure she would have been way better at explaining this. Than me. <laughs>
0: yeah, but it really does go to show that like, Again, we, we think of, uh, you know, the, the turn of the century as being a long time ago. But if you consider yeah. it, it's not really that long ago. I mean, 1900 is, is yeah. Yeah. two or three generations, really. Uh, it's amazing some of the things that went on. Somebody, uh, I was talking with somebody the other day about, like, how oh, violent man. the legislative branch was of just all these oh, instances yeah. of, like, people getting in fights or... I don't know if this is accurate, but somebody was telling me at, at one point the, <laughs> the whip uh, had, like, literally a club... That that you people would be threatened Incredible. to be beaten with if they didn't vote right. Again, I don't know if that's true or not, but I find it believable just with all the insane stuff that used to go on in this country. That's some. That'd be some some uh, some great Wikipedia tabs. Just like duels, plural. Court cases, incident on train.
1: <laughs> Frankly, looking at my at my Google history, Kurt, uh, it, it's a little troubling when I do the Google history uh, it's a of, mess. of this. It's rough. It really is. But listen, we, we, we got to do what we got to do for the podcast, for the cast, for the pod. Wow. That's
0: true. That's for the cast. We, we, Come on. We, are there there are a few crazy. things we won't do. <laughs> Not even for the pod. Just in general, there are a few things. We won't. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's a threat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've been warned. <laughs> well, Kurt, now since you got that correct, finally, uh we're able, I think you've broken your curse. I have correctly guessed 7 and Kurt, you have correctly guessed 4. So now we're just 3 away. We're making it through. Just just, just three stories away. away, Kurt. We're we're, we're going to figure this out. But yeah, I'm still in the lead, but just by a little bit, Kurt. Listen, this 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 is your time. This is this is your moment. I'm I'm um I'm I'm rooting for you. Mildly. With that, we are coming to the end of this episode of Unbelievable. A lot of stories took us to a bunch of different places from Utah to Japan to beautiful California, I guess. <laughs> and but with that, we're closing up on this episode. Thank you for listening. Did you Gather along. Did you listen along? Hopefully you really actually got a glimpse into my brain and determined that I'm really not that smart when it comes to the legal system. Let us know. Let us know if you guessed correctly which story is true. We are on social media on Instagram at unbelievablepod and on Twitter at unbelievablepc. You can find us on there, chat with us, see see a little bit of the behind the scenes. We have a lot of fun there. Uh, You can also listen to us really... If you like to listen to podcasts, you will find a way to listen to us. We're around. We're making ourselves uh, available for most people, and that goes beyond. We're on the loose. (laughs) We are on the loose in the podcast market. Uncontained. (laughs) So look for us wherever you find your podcast to find our uncontained thoughts. We will be there uh thank you once again for listening thank you for supporting the show if you like it give it a review if you didn't like it i don't know keep it to yourself and uh well with that we will talk to you next time when kurt tries to fool me into thinking i'm smarter than i really am so thank you once more for listening this was unbelievable i'm Luis mejia joined by kurt danner we'll talk to you later
0: bye y'all